Good evening, Tennessee Volunteer fans. I am tonight the Reverend Georgia Tech Vol, your host on the Tennessee Fans Podcast. And tonight we have a special podcast, a special presentation. No, it's not podcast number nine. It's the official, unofficial death of the Tennessee football program. And as we start this evening, I'd like to read a written eulogy that one of our casters wrote. Um, He stayed up all night last night to write this, so here we go. Dearly beloved, clad in orange, dulled by despair, mediocrity, and hope rendered deceased, we are gathered to mourn the loss of a once proud athletics program a once tall spire of tradition, excellence, and passion. It has been felled by incompetence, mismanagement, and the pursuit of personal power. From the metropolis of the capital city to the rolling hills of our beloved university, querulous quarrels of quintessential pompous hubris infected and burrowed itself in the depths of our volunteers' hearts. We mourn because of dashed dreams, and we shed tears because of dreams deferred. We fret because of broken promises, yet we are united in our grief. Brethren in orange, fear not, for we are here and we will gather strength to remember our beloved university as time eases these open wounds. We are volunteers, and we will stand firm. Amen. And also for this service tonight, um, we have some pallbearers, and I've got a list here uh, that was given. First will be Butch Jones, followed by Derek Dooley, Lane Kiffin, Bob Kessling, Larry Scott, (laughs) Tyson Helton, and, uh, excuse me, um, (laughs) Dave Hart, <laughs> Mike Hamilton, and just the whole Haslam family. So, <laughs> with, that, with that said, um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Nate Peterman. <laughs> Nate Peterman. <laughs> NFL version. Um, we don't know why anybody ever believed in Nate Peterman. <laughs> And thank you all for for listening. Um, We are here at the end of the football season. And um, if you all heard the Undertaker's music, uh, you know it was going to be an interesting introduction. We always like to try to spice it up a little bit here. But um, thank you guys so much for being here this evening. I am Georgia Tech Vol, Reverend Georgia Tech Vol. We've got a star-studded cast uh, for the podcast this evening. and let's go through real quickly, do some introductions, and we'll, we'll get this thing rolling. We've heard the request to shorten the time a little bit, so we'll do our best uh, this evening to do that. Because this is actually now top three most downloaded in East Tennessee podcasts. So um, I'm actually really excited about that. So thank you for all those downloads. CN Eagle, appreciate you downloading it over and over again. So we appreciate that. Um, group we've got tonight, I'll go around the horn, just say everybody's name real quick, and then I'll... Let everybody say hello if they had any other pallbearers they wanted to add. Pounding Thrill, Duke Silver Vol with us tonight. Uh, Bleed Orange, um, 23, my dad and the oldest member of the board. 
PTC vol, power T, and Powell vols. So I'll start with you, Powell. Uh, welcome this evening, and uh, any any special shout outs for the death of the UT program? No, I don't think so. Um, uh, let's see, maybe um, I don't know. Maybe you can add um, I don't know. Maybe you can add Holly Work in there somewhere or another. Just because I can't really think of anybody else. Holly? You're going to pick yes. on Holly? So, yeah. they come when you learn and get better and just play the game. They're, they're, <laughs> they're here to get better, and they just want to play the game. Isn't that what it's about, Powell? They just want to play I, a game. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they, I just want to win. <laughs> well, maybe we'll talk about that in the basketball segment a little bit later. I think um, – we're, we're going to have a special Holly segment a little bit later on. I've been di- digging through the, the chronicles and highlights of Holly Warlick uh, pressers, so we might have a special nugget there, here or there. But uh, Power T, what's up, man? Thanks for joining. What's up, guys? It's good to be back on the podcast. Uh, the end of a season, the end of a lot of stress. Uh, that's all I got to say. All good, man. Thanks for being here. I can hear it in your voice. So, PTC, what's up, brother, man? Man, hey, you know, there's going to be one heck of a stressful weekend. You know, Falcons losing, Hawks losing, basketballs losing, yep. Tennessee football losing. Yep. But thank God my Atlanta United pulled through to that tonight, so wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, that's good. But I will, add, uh, yep. I will add Mike Hamilton to the list of Paul Bears. Well, no, Mike Hamilton, yes, uh, honorable mention. And, and thank you, Mike, uh, for – Everything that you did to bring the UT football program down, um, and just did a side note, did we say John Curry? Did we I was say just John? about oh, to say my that. Goodness, John Curry. Thank you. Let's just get it out the way. Uh, what a debacle that 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 whole hiring process was. Um, Bleed Orange Twenty Three. How are you tonight? And I do want to say thank you for hosting me for Thanksgiving. Uh, great time, great meal. You've got a wonderful place over at Reynolds, and. Uh, there's probably a mess of Cheerios still under the bed for my son messing around in, in the rooms, but uh, thanks for hosting us. Well, I'm just excited to be here after the season. And Is that what I sound like? You're making fun of me already? That's what I sound like? No. Oh, I'm you're just, just sleepy? I'm excited after this season, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Well, uh, we're, <laughs> we're glad to have you limping. We were glad to have you limping along with us. So, claw sure. fence. Add add the claw fence to the pole bearers. Wow. Bearers. So Dave Clawson gets a an honorable mention with some of the pillars of UT football like Butch Jones and Derek Dooley. So that's 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 great. Uh, Duke, what's up, man? Thanks for joining tonight. Hey, thanks for having me again. Um, you know, I guess we'll uh, we'll add Sal Sanseri. I'm not sure if we've mentioned him in the opening, but I know we talked about it earlier. Yeah. Um, I will say that. Um, it was my understanding that the University of Tennessee athletic program asked that those specific names we mentioned earlier um, be the pallbearers so they could let let the university <laughs> down one last time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and, and in honor good. of in honor of all fan forever, I guess we could um, add Bruce Pearl to that list. Winning. <laughs> no, that's that's good. I I like that joke, uh, and it kind of took me a couple seconds to get it, but that that was good, letting us down one more time uh, into our final grave. But uh, thanks for being on, man. Pounding thrill, man. You've been here every single week. Uh, 
how are NPTC? I know you have to, but uh, pound your thrill. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no, glad to be back. I don't really have anybody to add. There's been so many people who have screwed us over and disappointed me. <laughs> so uh, I don't want to dwell on it anymore. Yeah, so we'll we'll jump in real quickly um, into the Tennessee Vanderbilt debacle a little bit. Um, you know, obviously the score is what it was. Our sixth, I think it was sixth loss of 20 plus points or something like that. But I actually have a Jeremy Pruitt sound clip kind of summing up uh, the defeat really fast. If you go back and look, um, they blocked us better than we blocked them. Um, they got off of blocks better than we got off of blocks. They covered us better than we covered them. They made better throws, um, made plays at wide receiver. They had one-on-one plays, made some. Uh, we didn't. You know, they got off the field on third down. We didn't. Um, so it's pretty simple. Um, and Lord knows we got a long ways to go. And um, <laughs> They tied well, their shoes better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they put their put on their pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> yeah, they like the same girls. They put on their jockstrap one leg at a time. <laughs> That's the uh, Fulmer speech of the Florida game. I don't know if you all have heard that pregame yeah, speech. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think Jeremy was saying that with that raised eyebrow the whole time as well. But, uh, you know, not to knock a man's uh, looks or anything like that. But pretty pretty vanilla presser when you get your ass kicked um, against a state rival. Power T, what, you know, what do you think, man? Well, first and foremost, uh, I don't have many words to excuse or explain losing to Vanderbilt. Um, the teams are evenly matched, guys. They, Our talent really is equal to or if not better than Vanderbilt's talent and I you know for the life of me just feel like this team just doesn't have that want to sometimes I mean I think it really comes down to that I mean you've got one chance one game 60 minutes and you get to go bowling and you get to do something for the seniors and all it requires is just doing your job each play What's the play? Every every play is like a new war. It's a new battle. I don't understand, you know, how this team mentally – I mean, I understand why they're where they're at, but it's it's very disheartening to me to see just the mentality of this team not showing up for that Vanderbilt game. And I don't think they showed up until maybe Ty Chandler's first carry – the offense at least didn't show up until Ch- Ty Chandler's first carry in the second half, and then miraculously we forgot about Ty Chandler. Um, so I don't have, I just, I mean, this is, you know, we thought last year was rock bottom, um, and it was, and progress isn't, you know, always leaner as, as Simon want to say. Um, but at the same time, this was a win that we needed to get. And I think that if you're being objective about the state of Tennessee football, you can't make excuses when two even, evenly matched teams roll the ball out there and one of them clearly is better prepared, has a better mentality, um, has a better game plan, and wants it more. And that team's not named the Volunteers, but instead the Commodores. That's unexcusable, and we got to stop this immediately. And, you know, Pruitt's got a lot of, a lot of work on his hands. Um, and I'll, I'll shut up there and let some others jump in. I mean, did did anybody who did anybody watch the full game through? 
you know. Yes. Really. Yes. I, I did. No. I did. I watched it from start to finish, and they oh, were running up yeah. the score on us too. Oh. But yep. make no mistake, Vandy oh. ran up the score on Tennessee. That's the worst. And there was nothing that we could do to stop it. Wow. It's. Yeah. Yeah, five did, out did of seven. Give any explanation as to why Chandler didn't get any extra carries after that one long run? He wasn't injured or anything, was he? No, Lower Jesse even tweeted right? about it. Jesse tweeted about it. He said something about, you know, Ty Chandler makes a seventy-five yard run and then, uh, you know, didn't get another carry for however exactly. long it was. And he said, "No, I don't understand it either." So that I assume that was his way of saying, "No, he's not hurt. He's just." Almost yeah, he like made Montario that tweet Hardesty during the game, though, game. so I didn't know if Chandler got something after that. I didn't remember him getting anything, but yeah, that's I, I just I don't understand what the, offensively everybody just looked disinterested. Nobody seemed like they really nobody seemed like they really came to that game and thought, all right, you know, let's 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 bear down and get this done. It was just I could ju- you could just feel it when you're watching it, and it was so depressing. It was one of those games that. Halfway through the first quarter, even though the score didn't reflect it yet, I was just thinking we're going to lose this game. But we, right. we're not we're not there mentally or anything else. It just feels like even when I listen to Jeremy Pruitt's comments right there, it almost feels like everybody's just ready to end the season, <laughs> you know. Yep. And whether that's he he can dedicate more time to recruiting, which I'm torn. I think that you know. Pruitt having more time to be out there on the road recruiting, is that more beneficial than him having an extra month's worth of practice or him having some sort of moral victory to be able to sell out there that, oh, we went to a bowl? Because, I mean, I feel like if we went to a bowl game, then we could sit there and say, clearly we improved, right? Now it's kind of a muddled, you know, a muddled view. Some people could look at it and say that we're still terrible, but I don't know. I thought I think everybody's just ready to move on. I am too, for that matter. But this first no, you're right. Much. If you make a bowl game in year one, you get three SEC wins. You turn the tide. Unfortunately, we're talking about this, but you turn the tide against a Vanderbilt program. You you see some tangible progress, and and that's not to say there wasn't tangible progress this year. There clearly was. You beat an Auburn team. You beat a Kentucky team that was playing well at that time, and you beat an Auburn team that I don't think many of us thought was on was a chance going into this year but the problem is is that yesterday leaves a bad taste in your mouth for the next nine months and you can't get that out recruiting can't get that out it'll make it feel a little bit better but Mm -hmm. unfortunately you got it that that's your last memory until you know september next year yeah and i'm i'm a big proponent of inflection points and i just feel like tennessee football over the past four years has just missed opportunities to really accelerate rebuilds and really accelerate the, the the progress of the program and elevated stature i mean if you look back and, and i don't i'm not going to revisit the whole past but just think about a couple moments think about a couple turning points they come down to like one or two plays even you think about oklahoma like 2015 mm-hmm. you think about that florida 2015 game like then you you, you fast forward and you think about texas a&m 2016 what if we win that game we got you know and then South Carolina 2016, Vanderbilt 2016, like so many times where this program could have elevated its profile by going to the SEC championship, by going to the Sugar Bowl, even if you're not going to make the SEC championship. And to me, yesterday was another one of these moments. Sadly, it came to that for Jeremy Pruitt in his first year, but that's what this league is. This league is the Game of Thrones, and it's a big boy league, all right? And you either go in there and you win or you pack your bags. And that's dying mm-hmm. in the coaching 
world. And that's just what it comes down to. And at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I just feel like Tennessee consistently does not rise to the occasion when it needs to and hasn't over the past five years. And maybe it's the crop of guys. I completely agree with you. And maybe it's the coaching staff, but it's a combination of all of it. And at the, at the end of the day, one of these balls is going to have to roll our way, bounce our way. And we're going to have to win, a, a, sadly to say, a Vanderbilt 2018. All right? We're going to have to do that. It's just going to have to happen. Um, and that's why I'm so frustrated about the loss yesterday. But I do think we have seen tangible progress in year one. I don't think it, you, you press the panic button. But I think the honeymoon is over. And I think that – Jeremy Pruitt is going to have to take a, and, and look in the mirror and do an honest accounting of everything that went on this season from his own actions to his coordinators and down the line and really find, okay, what's our strategy for next year because this can't happen again. Yeah, and, and Bleed Orange, I'll pass it to you. I mean, you know, my thing is, you know, you have this frustration because it's like you – as you guys said earlier, you beat an Auburn, you beat a Kentucky, which I can't believe that's a signature win. It's kind of an eye roller to me. But you you beat those, you win those two games, and you would think, gosh, like, okay, this team should either make a bowl or show some additional progress. And then you lay these two eggs against Missouri and Vandy, and like everyone else has said, there's zero energy. Bleed orange. How you know? Is it is there any other way to turn this thing around outside of purging the roster? You know, can they get additional help from some people can they squeeze this thing as much as possible to get some extra juice out of these guys what do you think well i think that uh jeremy pruitt i started that thread about his making the comment about what i call the same plays at alabama you know and uh that inspired a lot of activity on the board on that one um you know ball 1821 comes in and says well you know Bama plays, uh, you're trying to run Bama plays with UT players. That's, that's bad recipe for success. You know, uh, I've got a couple of them here. JC vet comes in and says, well, he's doing pop Warner. Would he call the same plays as Bama? Well, not nah, probably not. Uh, ball fan Baker banker man's always a big one. Uh, he's an he says, he's not sure that, yeah, that yeah. we need a coach. <laughs> <laughs> what? He says he, he's not sure we need a coach who's used to winning with the best talent. Okay, so that was Butch Jones before he came to Tennessee. Um, Miles CBT came in with some good comments, that, you know, saying, well, you know, we know that some of you guys can complain, but nobody's got a solution. Vol <laughs> uh, Legion, I told some of these guys I'd call them out tonight, you know, uh, we know you can complain. You know, yeah, while Legion says he, we should replace the OL, the, the OC, and possibly the linebacker coaches. So let's just kind of clean the house and start over again after starting over again. Um, you know, Miles CBT said, you know, there's some good coaches, but, you know, what would good coaches have done with this team? This year? You know, to your question, you're asking about, well, what do we do about making things better? Uh I think it kind of comes back to what Pruitt said is that uh, uh, you you've got to you got to find guys that are going to be able to play your your style of ball. Hopefully, you know we can continue to develop the kids that we have. Uh, it sounds like from some of the player interviews that not everybody bought in this year, and uh, so there may be a few things that need to be done on that that end of things. Um, 
the last person I'll mention is Virginia Beach of all. He said he thinks that uh, JP has known all year exactly how to attack the opponents to be successful, but the trouble is how to attack an opponent, opponent successfully and having the weapons to attack are two different things. And I think that is pretty accurate in the narrative that was going on at the time. Um, we, we just, you know, you got to have the Jimmy and the Joe to make it all go. <laughs> That's about it. Wow. Well, it seems like uh, you'll be meeting some folks up at Gate 21 next season. <laughs> well, <laughs> <So>. was, <laughs> well, you know, there was some Gate 21 stuff in there. Brawl. I know. We'll be, everyone, <laughs> right. everyone in the wheelchair chairs wheeling around, swinging each other with canes. We're we're so. going to be out there in wheelchair basketball. Yeah. Okay. But, <laughs> so you know, one of the things too is at the end of the season, and you know, power power T, you may you know haven't played uh, there some in college. You know, you we didn't have a whole lot of rotation on that defensive line. We we were powerless against Vanderbilt on defense, and I just wonder how much of the grind of a long SEC season is taking its toll on those kids. And, you know, they've got all kinds of medicine and recovery and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I got a feeling that was a pretty weary team at the end of the year. Yeah, I wouldn't deny that. I, but I don't think that's, I, I, I that in and of itself, I don't think it's sufficient to see the type of decline that what, what we saw, um, for me, it was a mental, was a mentality decline. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. you have a tired defensive line, and they're out there all the time. And those last mm-hmm. two games, I mean, the offense the last two games was putrid. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I hate to, I hate to be so critical, but it just was. I mean, it, it, it was almost as if like I've been out partying with my friends, and I come back, and I'm like, oh, I'm a, you know, go online on Madden a little bit. And then I just start calm plays on Madden drunk. Like, it was just like just one shot, two shot, three shot. They don't but they didn't have any flow or function. Like, it didn't it's the only way, man. You got to ask Madden. Just hit the X button, man. <laughs> he got a video game named after him, did you? <laughs> he did. Um, I just – I can see why the defensive line – because I played defense in college my senior year. And much like this Tennessee team, we were on the field way too much. And eventually, at some point in the game, you would just get this exasperation of, like, they're not going to do anything. If mm-hmm. we're going to win this game, we're going to have to get a defensive touchdown. Like, we've been holding them and holding them, but they're gaining more. And it psychologically just starts wearing on you. And I think sure. we saw that accumulate toward the end of the season, especially toward the latter half of the Missouri game. And I think that matriculated on into the Vanderbilt game. I think you saw the defense come out quick three and out. Offense gets back out there, drives down the field, and then we stall out. And then Vanderbilt comes back, and I think they moved and maybe answered or whatnot, but then your offense wasn't ready to step up. And it became mm-hmm. clear that the offense the offense shackled this team in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. if you really want to put your finger on it, the defense played too many snaps. They don't yep. have the depth. And psychologically, they're not built for it. So that's what happens. Totally agree. And you can't like you you kind of alluded to it, but you certainly can't discount the fact that um, these guys are going out there knowing that if they give up 14 or 20 points, we're in big trouble against any team not named, you know, 
maybe ETSU, you know, maybe Charlotte, which it even played out that way against them, but teams of that caliber, you know, that you're worried that, hey, you know, if we don't, we don't make some big things happen and we do give up a couple touchdowns, we're in big trouble. I mean, that's exactly right. And you play, you play tighter as a defense when, when that's the case. Yeah, you start um, pressing. You start pressing, and you're trying to make every play a big play. And then oftentimes even, you're so tight that even when you're in the right spot to make a play, you, you tighten up or you don't make the right, the right you know, cut or, or, or take the right angle. Um, and you just can't play free. I mean, the best defenses, they play free, they play aggressive, and, and that's why they're so tenacious and good. Our defense – I mean, I just feel like they're just—they were just trying not to make mistakes out there by the end of the game, because if call, that, a call mistake me, can kill them. Call me crazy, guys. I—I'm I, just overly not all that concerned with the defense. I mean, I look at it like, you know, you've got the players in the scheme, right? As, as two, just to be very simple, what contributes to to a team sucking or being really good, right? And we're lacking players clearly, but at least on defense, like we can see the scheme. It breaks down as the game goes on and our lack of depth and lack of talent shows. What really bothers me on the other side of the ball is just fine. We're missing some of the players, but I've seen plenty of teams that are inferior to who they're playing but can still scheme up a competent game plan. We we very rarely have done that this year. I mean, it's just I don't know what they're doing. It really worries me going into this offseason. Like, do they fire Helton? Does Helton leave? Probably right. not. I don't think I would if I were Pruitt. But I just – I think Pruitt will get the defense taken care of. And, and you know, more players, another year in the system, being more comfortable will be all right. But on offense, like, what, what, what positive takeaway can we have from our offense going into this offseason? I, I, I agree. I, I, <laughs> there, there's none, but I, I feel like. Is there like... a single player that you're excited about, really, like progressing? Is there a single, you know, I don't even know what game you look at and say, well, but I mean, Chandler, I, you know, Chandler's fine. He's not the problem with offense, but I don't think that guy's, I mean, does anybody on this podcast think that Chandler's going to be playing in the NFL? Yes. I think so. You think yeah, so? I think, yeah, I think uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think he's NFL talent. He he may, he may, you know, maybe get drafted. But I I don't know. You guys, we'll, we'll revisit this here in a year or so. But I don't. He's not. He's the best player on our team on offense. But I don't think he's. He's not as good as John he's Kelly. Got he's got not the, even close. He's got the skills. All right, man, my you my think, view on Ty is. I mean, I think Ty's a a fifth maybe a fourth rounder if he really explodes onto the scene. But I think right now he's, so he's as good as Todd starter. Kelly. I'm sorry, John Kelly. I think, I think that hmm. you think he's that good. I don't, I don't, I, don't see I think, that. I think Ty, I think Ty's as good as John Kelly. I think they, their running styles. I mean, John Kelly's bounds was just insane. So yeah. John Kelly got hit way too much <laughs> and then still kept going. Right. But like the, the difference between a John Kelly and a Ty is that, Ty can if Ty can make that one person miss in the at the at the second level he's gone. Whereas mm. John Kelly's going to get hocked down. I mean, think about how many runs John Kelly had where if he could have just finished that runoff, sure, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like think about Florida 2017. John Kelly like breaks that, takes it to the house. We go up a touchdown. We have to kick that field goal to tie the game up. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Anyway, 
Anyways, I mean, looking at this offense, I, I'm not super down on it, but the reasons why I'm down are what concern me, and that's because I feel it's a scheme offensive coordinator identity problem, where more so than a player's problem, sand, you know, excluding the offensive line. Obviously, we got to fix the offensive line. But if you look at the skill players around, there's no reason why I don't think that we could have been able to – to come up with a good scheme for these players. I mean, Marquez Callaway's not going to beat somebody over the top on a post route. He's just not nope. built that way. But Jordan right. Murphy progressed very, very well. And yeah. that was a kid that I like to see. And, and, and Jordan Murphy made some catches that, you know, a lot of those catches he was making required a lot of athleticism too, uh, even though, you know, his stats won't look that great. But I think for the impact that he made once they finally started getting him the ball more, I think it was big. Um, but you know, looking to next year and let me take a step back before I go into that, but watching the Vanderbilt game, I was just taken aback by, there was nobody that I could rely on just to be a game breaker. It's like, who can we just get this ball to and say, all right, we're going to make this a one-on-one thing, you and the defensive player and you just go beat them. Right. Like other teams have individuals where they can just scheme up a play and they say, all right, we're going to put our, our running back on a linebacker. We're gonna put our we're gonna put Jerry Judy on the slot receiver, you know. We're gonna put somebody else, you know, somewhere where it's gonna be a mismatch, and that player is gonna win their one-on-one battle and take over a game. And our team doesn't have that. And I'm wondering if it's obviously it's a talent issue, but also in terms of a scheme and a game plan, where are where is our our game planning to scheme up those one-on-one battles for us to win? And why and why are we not doing it? And I'm just I'm just baffled by the lack of offensive scheme progress this season. Well, it looks like we might be uh, <clears throat> might be uh, moving away from Mr. Helton. Got a text from from Duke and Duke. You want to read uh, what you sent to the group? Yeah. So uh, it looks like ESPN is reporting Helton is a top candidate for the Western Kentucky job, uh, the head coaching job there. Which you know, um, as someone in the as someone in the VolQuest thread where it was posted uh, mentioned, you know, hey, that may may end up be a godsend and be best for all around. Um, you know, it was actually, we'll shout out MC Vegas Vol. Uh, you know, Pruitt gets another try at offensive coordinator and, you know, we would be bought out on Helton. So, um, you know, what happens after that, who knows? And obviously we can debate who, you know, who would be on that short list, that hot board, whatever you want to call it. But, um, that may may just end up being what's best for all parties. Well, it uh, it's interesting news. Again, you guys heard it here, you know, first. If, maybe not first now because this is a recorded podcast, but you heard it here. We want to talk about it while it's you know hot off the press. And if this is true, then you know, one, we're gonna have to change our segment. I was actually thought we we're gonna change if I were Helton to what the Helton, um, but uh, <laughs> you know, we might just be saying. We might be saying Sorry. bye, Felicia, to uh, to Mr. Helton. Bye, Felicia. So if that if that do, if this does happen, I mean, where where do the Vols look here? And don't say Hugh Freeze, PTC. Just like, you know, I, I feel like you you would be. What have I things. ever advocated for Hugh Freeze? <laughs> I you know I I would love to have Lane Kiffin back um, as offensive coordinator. I'd love Lane as so, well. 
I'm all on the lane train. I think it would be perfect. He won't have to be the head coach. He could. He'll be running trains on our co-eds. Well, he can <laughs> look. Our recruiting would pick back up. You know, we'd get close to, you know, getting the band hammer and all that good stuff. But uh, I think he would. I think Lane would want another chance at Saban, and he's a. He could. I think, you know, when you guys talked about, you know, how do we. You know, work around our talent deficiencies. Like when Lane was out there, he figured out a way with with the guys that he had. Did he have all NFL guys? Not necessarily. He had a couple, but you know, when he started rolling out Crompton out of the pocket and Crompton, you know, looked like Kyle Shermer against Tennessee. You know, it's like that's that's the sign of a coach that can scheme some guys. Not well. We got to throw it up in the air and and hold our breath and hope you know our guys can out jump the other guys. So. I, I say Lane Train. I know there's some other names being thrown around, but what do you guys think? I hear Patino's available. Oh, uh, Rick Patino? Patino. Patino. Patino, Patino. You know, oh, a Petrino. serious candidate someone mentioned, and I don't I don't have any idea other than, um, you know, a couple people mentioning him is um, the Cleveland Browns, now offensive coordinator, uh, Freddie Kitchens, of course, played, played quarterback at Bama back in the – Mid '90s, I guess Leonard Little almost broke his back um, on a play back in the day, but um, he's he's actually had a, had a pretty obviously a pretty good coaching career now to be a um, offensive coordinator in the NFL, you know. Uh, but uh, who who knows? Uh, you know, it'd be I think it'd be good for him to potentially get a shot. He's seemingly doing a pretty good job with Mayfield after the uh, Hugh Jackson Todd Haley clown show left left town. So right. Powell, do you think we maybe potentially go after uh, Ryan Gosling? I mean, uh, the Kingsbury guy. You think he would want a chance uh, at at Tennessee to be the OC? I don't know. That would be. I think that would be a really good hire. If is isn't he more of a more of a, a passing type offensive Ooh. guy? Yeah, Eric, I, think, I don't know. Mike Leach yeah. disciple. Yeah, it's, you just wonder how. If that if that you know would work out here, I'm a you know I don't know if we have the players for that. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm kind of worried about. I mean, yeah, that's that's not happening. Something that something I was thinking a few minutes ago. I hate to go backwards a little bit, but um, we were talking about stuff you was worried about. I'm. Does it seem like that like over the last several years, the culture of the program, it's it's like we're we are okay with losing like the play. I'm talking about the players and stuff, not the coaches maybe, but just, just the overall attitude. It seems like that, um, you know, Oh, well, we lost another game. I don't, maybe it's, maybe that's just me. I don't know, but nobody, no, that's, that's the truth. That's, that's, that's what it is. Apathy. It's set in. Absolutely. It's, it is. it's absolutely. And I mean, that's how players... it is. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it's all it's all you, pal. Well, that's that's just how I felt yesterday watching that game. I mean, once it started getting a little bit, you know, once it started getting a little bit out of hand, it like nobody cared, and it seemed to me, and nobody was really putting up a fight. I don't know. I don't know. It's just we got to get the only thing good that happened yesterday is we are one year further away from anything Bush Jones, and we've got to get rid of what he's installed into these guys, what seems like he's installed to these guys where, I mean, it's, it's like, okay, we just go back to practice and we'll fix it in practice, but nothing ever gets fixed. And, um, 
you know, I hope Pruitt has the right attitude where we could get out of that. I'm just about, I'm just about sick of watching that kind of stuff. What about Will Friend? Not that I want that, but that's, you know. How much does he make? He makes 800000 I just you looked it up. you got to kidding me, man. Oh my yeah, gosh. I mean, he's he's almost making coordinator money. And I remember Jesse talking about, like, how much he made. And obviously we've heard about him, like, kind of uh, being involved in the play calling. Uh, that that'll I don't think fans would be happy with that. And it'd be curious to see how he navigates that. But That would be uh, the, quote, safe pick for Pruitt. Whether it's actually safe or not, it would be considered yeah. the safe pick promoting from within but who knows how it would work well, it feels well like let me put move. on my tinfoil hat let me put on my tinfoil hat real quick and say that what we saw with kind of the offensive production and success this year really was a kind of Jekyll and Hyde situation right so we had you know better offensive production at, at Georgia and then Auburn right the explosion of offense there that worked out you know taking the shots then off week, then South Carolina started doing some things that worked well, then off week, then Kentucky, right? And then the offensive line was just doing, you know, better. And so for me, I question – so obviously looking at that, you think, okay, well, there seem to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen. We know that from reports behind the scenes. There seem to be a lot of different influences and philosophies going in. And so maybe the removal – of 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 Helton helps this. He could also hurt it. You know, he could have been the the impetus behind some of those better offensive games and offensive schemes. But right. I mean, is it more likely than not that he was, or is it more likely than not that it's if he's the one constant as OC and responsible for that play calling, that somebody's stepping in and kind of changing what that game plan would have looked like? I mean, is does that make more sense, or does it make more sense to speculate that? Will Friend is the offensive line coach and trying to instill this power running thing. And so when we're beating our heads against a, a brick wall with these running plays going left all the time and always on first down, it was that Will Friend. I mean, I don't know, right? Yeah. But it's yeah, – I mean, I, I'm, I am hesitant to just revamp everything um, as opposed to building continuity. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I agree with you hat, completely. <laughs> I, I feel like Friend's going to go to OC, and since Fulmer's been meddling so much with offensive line, I say we just bring him in as as offensive line coach. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, no, I I agree with you, Power T. I mean, I don't see how we can really. There's so much we don't know about what was going on behind the the doors. All we knew that you know Brent and them would talk about there being some conflict. Um. You know, who won out in the conflict? I know, you know, we obviously heard times when Pruitt said, well, you know, I didn't like that play he called. I'm glad he didn't listen to me. So, you know, what what was this offense? What did it look like? I mean, we've seen Bob Shoup go someplace else and do pretty well on defense. So how much did Butch Jones, you know, contain Bob Shoup from doing what he wanted to do? <clears throat> it's uh, – it can go scary either way. You can either go – to a, a really good new coordinator coming in, or you can really lose somebody really good and the offense will be miserable next year. I think that's right. And the other piece to kind of think about, and, you know, he's much maligned in those <coughs> factions on him, Team JG or, or Team Chris. Well, there's no Team Chris anymore, so it's Team JG, and now people are going to pick Shrout. JG or JT. Or, or, yeah, you know, exactly. 
the JG or JT, <laughs> maybe even um, a Jalen Hurts, maybe um, if Could if be. Pruitt uses his connections to try uh -huh. to bring in that type of grad transfer. I mean, what what could he do for this offense? But I think you look at Jared Guarantano's 2017 stats versus 2018 stats. He made he made he made progress. Um, I don't I don't know how far I'd go to say whether it's you know monumental. I think it was somewhat significant. Um, you know, but is that a product of him being the starting quarterback for the whole year? Um, you know, is that a product of him now being a college quarterback for the third year? Um, are what what do we need to get out of the quarterback spot on this team to accelerate the rebuild? And is that more important in the immediacy than establishing even your offensive scheme in a particular individual? Um, you know, that's that's kind of where, you know, and I, you know, I briefly shared this with the guys on the podcast, but in thinking more and more about it, I think Pruitt pursues another grad transfer quarterback. Um Shrout would still be a redshirt freshman, uh, and your grad transfer quarterback's probably gone after that one year. You may find one with two years, maybe, but unlikely. Um, and it seems to me that when JG was competing, he was better, just across the board. And I think that's all right. So, so Power T, um, are you? I, I, have you got any articles written yet? What are you hearing on this grad transfer quarterback? Well, I'm not hearing much of anything, so don't, don't you know? I, I, you know, I'm just kind of monitoring the the Twitter webs and the and the you know and the and the scuttlebutt. But I mean, it makes sense to me that Pruitt would try to aggressively pursue Hertz if he can. Uh, it, it 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 aligns on a lot of levels. You got a proven winner. Pruitt respects Hertz. Hertz likes Pruitt. Um, Hertz clearly is going to be leaving at the end of the year. He graduates. Uh, he graduates. Um, mm -hmm. So you have a situation where Pruitt can sell to a Jalen Hurts look. You know, Trey Smith may be back, you know, and if he, is, if he isn't back, you know, we're praying for him, but if he isn't back, then I've got two stud ponies at left and right tackle that I got coming in to shore up this offensive line. It's going to be much better. Uh, if not, we're going to use you in different ways to your mobility. We've got a good crop of receivers around you. There's, all you got to do is get them the ball. Um, we've seen what our previous guy can do. He's contributed to four, a four and eight season and a five and seven season. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I just you look at it. It makes logical sense. Will it happen? I don't know. It could, but you know, that's up for um, the recruiting gurus to figure out. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if the uh, the Harris. I think his name's Harrison Bailey, the quarterback that was in this past weekend. Yes. Um, did you all see where he may be reclassifying to this year? Yes. Yeah, well, they said he may do a Jake Bentley type thing where yeah. he may or may not Sorry. reclassify, and if he did, he would he would enroll in June and basically yeah. be on the team to you know what in whatever capacity that may look like for next year, but. Um, that's the same thing JT Daniels did out at uh, Southern Cal. That's right. Yep. 
So does that change anything from taking a uh, graduate transfer at quarterback? Would that make would that do anything? To, I would. To that? I don't. I would. I would still want to take a graduate transfer because you know if he gets here in June, he's got two months, and then he's a true freshman. Unless you think this guy's Trevor Lawrence, I think you go ahead and roll he's the not. dice with someone else, right? And I agree. I don't think he is either. Yeah, I don't think Trevor don't Lawrence think comes along once something. every generation. If uh, that don't say his name, I can't. He did. I can't. Uh, Dude, you'll get over it. It's all right. Uh, it's terrible. Well, um, I, I I think at the end of the day, and I think maybe next week we'll jump into recruiting, but I did want to play really quickly the Jeremy Pruitt clip on uh, his presser just talking about, you know, how he turn, helps, it, you know, wants to turn this thing around real quick. You know, we still don't have competition. We don't, we don't have competition at certain positions. So, um you're either going to play somebody or we're going to play nobody, basically. Uh, we've got to recruit to where we can recruit some depth, to where we get competition. Uh, and when we do that, we'll get better in a hurry, you know. So um, I, think if, I think if a young man wants an opportunity to have a chance to play in the SEC really early, this would be a good place to start. Well, you know, and again, a lot of people triggered on the board when he said that, and then a lot of people are like, "It's the truth." But it, honestly, it is the truth. If you want to come here and play, um, you know, come to Tennessee. And I think hopefully the offensive line recruits that we're trying to bring in, they I think they see it with Wanye and potentially Wright and that Chris A. I can't pronounce his last name and some of the other folks, but you know, we got to get a like you guys have said tonight. We got to get a headliner quarterback. We've got to have a franchise-changing quarterback, and we got to get some more studs on defense. So, um, with that being said, I think Bleed Orange, you have one more question, and then we're going to jump into basketball, I believe, for a little bit. Oh no, I you know uh, Duke, what are you hearing out of Chattanooga these days about stuff going on up there in, in uh, Knoxville? Man, you uh, you know you hear a lot of stuff, but who who really knows? You know. Um, It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what happens over this offseason. I think it's a big offseason for Pruitt. Um, I think it's a big offseason for the program. I think, um, you know, you've seen things mentioned about season tickets and all this kind of stuff. And of course, this is the time of year when people start um, discussing those things, and and you have different, you know, different opinions and those types of things. I think I think the athletic department's got to have. Uh, really going to need to get their finger on the pulse and uh you know if helton does end up um leaving which like i said maybe it's a good idea for both sides i think i think pruitt's really got to hit the nail on the head and he's got to find a good recruiter and a honestly a a good you know quote-unquote quarterback whisperer well i can't you know are you feeling kind of a general malaise down there you know i couldn't believe all the empty seats for the missouri game and in all the years I've been watching Tennessee football, I, I just I was stunned to see so many empty seats, especially after we had beaten Kentucky. You kind of throw away that other game and, you know, homecoming, nobody's up for it and that sort of thing. But my gosh, that was uh, that looked like a pretty tired fan base not showing up for Missouri. It was interesting and a little bit surprising to me that after especially after a big win against Kentucky that you didn't have. um 
you know, that you didn't have the, the sellout for Missouri and that kind of stuff. I, you know, I will say being down here, I, this is the first, first year in a long time, as long as I can remember that I didn't make it to a game. I've got some life stuff going on right now, but you, you know, I, even then, even during some of our dark years of the past few years, you saw a lot of, uh, a lot of Tennessee spirit around Chattanooga. And I just really frankly didn't see that this year. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's yep. the product. Yep. It's it the is product. It's what they're putting on the field. I mean, it's it's one thing to watch your team lose, right? It's another thing to watch your team be so inert as to just they just come out just no energy, no semblance of what they're trying to do specifically on offense, and we don't dictate anything. And I think we might be the only team. I I say this every time. I'm like, if Tennessee could play Tennessee, then we could fix a lot of our problems. Um, but it's just. I don't know. Uh, you know, looking forward, got to get, got to put a better product on the field if you're going to put fans in the stands because it's so much easier to watch it on a big screen TV at home and in in, in, on the comfort of your couch with all oh, your yeah. amenities. No. Because the culture, because the culture of the program is carried over to the fan base, where it's just it's becoming just another loss, you know. Yep. And um, you know, nobody, I mean, nobody wants to go watch it. I mean, you know, there's. The, the the whole the fans not showing up that you know but that's at the same time that's not just going on here it's going to other places i'm not saying it's okay because it's going on to other places but um i think georgia their game like last week not this past weekend the week before man there was a lot of people missing there too yeah but um well what they know. they don't seem to quite understand is you know they talk about the fan experience i know former's mentioned that as far as you know, stadium remodel or whatever, but, you know, <laughs> who cares what the bathrooms look like if your team is losing? And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it just is uh, one of those things that it's really kind of having that snowball effect. It may be happening around college football in generally, but but I've never quite seen it see like this. I mean, well, Neyland's already a huge stadium, and it's got mm-hmm. bleacher seating. And, you know, before the bathroom model on whatever level it was on, you, you had the troughs. And so you think <laughs> about I mean, the that's, troughs. That it's, mm-hmm. Neyland was is a great stadium if your team is a top 25 or cons- a perennial, you know, relevant powerhouse team. And you've got four or five huge games a year that people are going to pack in and want to feel the energy and want to yell and want and get after it. But – it's a terrible stadium if your team is in a malaise and you've been in a seven-year rut and the product that you're putting on the field this year isn't any better than it was last year, yet you've increased the ticket price. And mm-hmm. now, and while at the same time, I mean, it's just a national trend that people are – the HDTVs are getting better. It's easier to watch it from your, your home. You, you know actually more of what's going on in a game watching it from the comfort of your home than you do actually in the stadium because you get all the different angles of everything. In the stadium, you're having to look at the Globotron. and I mean, it's fun. It's fun being around people, but I think the University of Tennessee has to be more conscious of that um, moving forward, and I think they will. Um, we got good business people over there. They haven't not made any money over the past decade. They've making plenty of money. The, the fact of the matter is it's just you know fans are kind of – it's what happens when you post a four and eight year and a five and seven year. People are tired. Well, it's yeah. funny listening to P Fort when he came on 
complaining about ticket prices and, and how much it, he said, man, it was no fun. He said, I've, I always came there and sat up in the booth and had all this free food and everything else. And now I'm coming and paying and families there. And he says, it was not fun looking at that crap on the field. Yeah. Nobody wants to spend that much, uh, that much money to see a, a four and eight team, like everyone said, but hopefully these guys turn around. Um, I think in the next couple of podcast guys, we're going to discuss recruiting. Um, obviously, we didn't get to basketball tonight. It was a big basketball week. The Vols uh, beat a – I think they were a pretty decent Louisville team. Maybe they suck. I thought they were decent. And then, you know, came up short, which I think they got screwed in the group text we were talking about, that goaltending call. I think they got screwed in that goaltending call against Kansas. But it was a it was a good it's, – it's good to get that loss out of the way ahead of time. Um, and we've got a pretty pretty fun schedule coming up. So – We'll be talking basketball over the next few weeks. Stay with us, guys. Um, I hope you guys had a wonderful time uh, listening to this podcast tonight. We made it under an hour, which I'm really excited about. We got all the Tennessee cleansing of the palate on the football squad. Get that out of the way. Let's. uh, I I was about to say a a Butch Jones phrase, but I won't say it. So um, go volunteers. Anybody else have anything before we uh, sign off this evening? Hopefully we aren't dead and buried for good. <laughs> we'll come back. Alabama was gone for Alabama was gone for ten years too. That's true. Actually, mm-hmm. one thing I want to do before we hang up, um, I just want to do a really quick lightning round of questions. We had a six pack kind of mailbag questions for the podcast, so I'm going to ask. Just give me one word answer if you got it, or a really short answer. Uh, PTC? Do you use mustard or mayo? Both. Both. Okay, cool. That was from uh, Matt for Rocky Top. Um, Simpson Vol asks, what are the minimal acceptable win-loss records for Jeremy Pruitt in 2019-2020? Uh, what do you think, Powell? Um, no, less, no less than seven. I mean, you got to start having some expectations. Seven and five, nine and three is, my, is what I would think. Yeah. Respectively. Yeah, okay. I think that's good. Okay. I think six wins next year, um, and then maybe seven or eight the year after. I don't even know. Well, I'm, actually, I'm I'll actually, I'll actually go bigger on that for you. I think that the schedule sets up really nicely next year for the Vols. And then on top of that, I think it sets up really nicely for bringing in a whole bunch of new talent and new players. The first three games are pretty much cupcake games. Uh, BYU's in there. That'll be a, you know, we should, that's a, we should win that game. Don't get that twisted, Vol Nation. We should win that game. <laughs> um, but it should be a good test in terms of those are older guys. You know, we should out-athlete them, but it's a good test. At any rate, schedule sets up well for it. Can bring along some of these younger guys that you might need to plug and play at the beginning of next year. And then it all culminates at Florida. Um, and so you should be able to install what you're going to be running at Florida like two months in advance of that game. And everybody should be firing on all cylinders for that one, and we'll see what happens. Pounding Thrill, uh, Priestfall asks, um, setting the over-under at nine players who are asked to leave by Felicia or go on their own. Is it too high or too low? Or I guess no, over-under nine. Talking about like not singers. You're talking about nine players actually being asked to leave or basically pushed yeah. out the door? Yeah, pretty much. That's high. I'm going to go under. Okay. All right. Under. Cool. Um, so PTC Thickstripe asked to discuss the Dwight Howard situation that just came out. Well, Sorry, that was a play on words, but um, just kidding. We won't talk about that on here. 
Um, use the Google machines. Uh, let's see here. Anything else? Uh, Drake 01 asks, and I, I'll have, I'll throw this to bleed orange. The maximum amount you spend on underwear. Um, how much do you spend on a, on a weekly basis on underwear? I don't wear underwear. Oh gosh. This God, is that was show. Come on. Oh yeah, my Lord. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Do your balls hang low? Do they wobble to and fro? That's terrible. Uh, Duke, a uh, Vol fan banker man, who's one of the biggest Nega Vols on the board, um, of course comes in blazing hot here with uh, a, a hot take. Uh, 50K season ticket sales over or under? What are your thoughts? Next year? Uh, I'll go over, but not by a ton. I think next year's, unfortunately, whether it's – uh, fair or not is going to be a make or break year in terms of attendance, but I- I'll go over that. Okay, PTC uh, Jacob C is asking when he's coming on the podcast or the podcast. That should be the name of this thing, right. uh, the podcast. What do you think? Um, when can you book him, man? You're the money man. When are you going to book this guy? I was going to say if he's going to pay that entry fee, you know, anytime he wants to come on. Exactly, it's a thousand dollar entry fee. So these guys pay a lot of money to talk to me on Sunday hey, nights. Hey GT, let's take a look at that last one from Priestval, <laughs> and we can wrap it up there. Yep, and go just kind of go around the horn. Our buddy Priestval asked, you know, what's your high point and low point of the season? Um, for me, it's going to be two high points. And that's beating obviously Auburn and UK. Low point of the season was this past Saturday. All right. I'd say um, getting no argument here. I'd say getting Wanya Morris uh, committed was one of the bigger ones. I think that was kind. When did maybe it wasn't you know during the season, but kind of before the season. I'm going to count that. I think that's the biggest. That is a foundation foundational thing that's going to change this program. Um, And then obviously, last night was terrible. I uh, bleed orange. I would say uh, Auburn was the high point last night. Weak. <laughs> Terrible. Beating Auburn was definitely a high point, but how we felt after the game was over was like kind of a high point for me because uh-huh. it kind of kind of felt like uh, maybe we had turned a corner, and obviously that wasn't the case. But right. at least we, you kind of got that feeling back again. Low yeah. point. Um, you know, the game yesterday was bad, but that Charlotte game was terrible too. So they come wanting to learn and get better and just play the game. <laughs> all right. That's all they want to do. They want to learn and get better and play the game. Uh, power to you. What do you think, man? Um, I'll go. I mean, it's hard to, you know, debate those two, um, what's been said with the high points and the low points, but I'll spice it up a little bit. I'll go. High point is the sack fumble at Auburn, specific play, the sack fumble at Auburn um, that Daryl Taylor picks up, fumbles again, that Elante Taylor picks up and scores a touchdown with. I was just like, oh, football gods, you're really there this time. I really thought that, you know, I was like, oh, we're back. Um, and then ultimate low point was the Florida game. Oh, I was in the was stands terrible. for yep. that. And Austin Pope's. <laughs> How many more of those are we going to have? Oh, gosh, oh, we could talk man. about that not for another 20 minutes, but uh, oh, crazy. Just inventing ways. Like, we, we, we really shouldn't just start getting patents for this stuff. Just inventing <laughs> ways. Just, just give games away and just, oh, my God. Uh, Georgia, also, Georgia I think stuff. I'm pretty sure I browned out in the uh, Florida game. I drank way too much at the tailgate before that. And it's so much so that after – 
after that game, I had to ask my friend. I was like, we we did get in there for the twentieth celebration of the nineteen ninety eight team, right? And he was like, yeah, we were there. You were cheering really loud. <laughs> He, he then also said that later on in the game, when they did it at halftime again, they brought the guys back out. You were and I was booing so upset. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't booing them, but I was saying that was twenty years ago. No <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Did we get you pounding? Did I get you, man? Uh, I think. Right, yeah, that. the low point for me. Um, has got to be, yeah, the Florida game. I don't really have much to add. I, I think that was everybody's kind of low point. Yeah. It definitely was for me. And then Auburn was just such a high point. You know, it coming after that, like the season just felt great. I don't remember what our predictions were, but they were right. outrageous. I will, I'll add one more hindsight. low point. <laughs> yeah, Sorry about that. So, I'll add one okay. more low point. Um, the uh, Georgia game, I think it was a Daryl Taylor sack fumble that yep. uh, Georgia's oh. tight end picked up and then ran 20-something yards for a touchdown, yeah. uh, just kind of encapsulating the last 10 to 12 years of being a Vol fan all right. in one play. Right. That was their first touchdown, and we just got them stopped. That's right. And, I mean, and, yeah, that's just – yeah, that's it. That's only a, happens to us. It only happens to us. I would pay to see another team experience what we experienced. Literally, a sack fumble turns into a 40. It was a 44 yard 40 touchdown, yard run. touchdown run. Uh, yeah. by a tight end. The, like, ball in, went yeah. st- the ball went straight down and popped right into his hands, and he was mm-hmm. the guy that got beat on the sack. Right. I just don't mm-hmm. know how you didn't have anybody. And there was a block in the back, too, on that run. But A warrior. Yeah, how did how did nobody was over there to make a play on that guy anyway? But that just shows lack of speed, I guess. But uh, um, who else? Am I missing anybody else on highs and lows of the of the season? I mean, we could go through a lot of lows, but anything else? Good man. Cool. Well, I appreciate everybody so much for listening. This is Georgia Tech Vol, your lovable chat host. Uh, we we've gone at this thing for nine weeks now, and we're not stopping. This train is rolling. Like I said, top three downloaded podcasts in all of East Tennessee. So this thing has some hits. CN Eagle, thank you for your daily downloads and your comments and your likes. No, we appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate our guests that we have on. We're going to have some more VFLs probably if my dad can come through. Um, but we're hopefully going to have, you know, there's a couple other VolQuest staffers we haven't had on yet. So hopefully we can get them. Uh, get their entry fees paid and, and get them on here as well. But thank you guys so much for listening. We're signing off and we'll be talking recruiting and basketball next week. Go Vols. Go Vols.